Hello and welcome to episode number 48 of The Draft Alex, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And Tony, it's been a wild 48 hours as the legal tampering period for NFL free agency began Monday. We're recording this Tuesday night. We just got word of an Odell Beckham trade from the New York Giants to the Cleveland Browns for a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and safety Jabril Peppers, who was the Browns' first-round pick a couple years ago. Obviously, nothing can be officially signed. None of these trades can officially go through until Wednesday at 4 p.m. anyway, when the new league year starts. At this point, shouldn't the league just bump that up to Monday? I'm sure the New York Jets wish that was the case, but, uh, you know, the league loves all this anticipation. They love all this hype and, and all the conversation. I mean, the, the papers in New York... You know, the, the headline was the Jets signed uh, Anthony Barr, the pass rusher they wanted, and what are the papers going to say tomorrow? So what you say makes a lot of sense. And there was a time where uh, there was no legal tampering and, and uh, free agency started at midnight not too long ago. But this is what the league wants. It's nonstop football 24-7. And, you know, what happened today in New York with both uh, the New York Jets as well as Odell Beckham being traded is just going to keep that conversation going. And we talked about it when we were discussing the combine, how they want to make it a two-week event, everything else. And this just kind of feeds into that 24-7, 365 type of news cycle. Obviously, we've said a number of times on this podcast that looking at free agency, the overall crop of players wasn't great. But there was strength in that crop among the pass rushers, even with teams franchising some of the top talents that were set to become free agents. Pass rushers still went off the board pretty quickly. Did the speed at which they signed or the size of the contracts they received surprise you at all? Absolutely not. You know, pass rusher has always been a priority position, and it's a passing league. So what happened? You know, the league went to bigger cornerbacks, and teams started bringing in cornerbacks that were over six foot tall to cover the taller receivers. And now an even greater premium has been put on pass rushers. Plus, like you mentioned, you look what happened before the legal tampering period even began. You had several pass rushers tagged, and then you had big money handed out by teams such as the Eagles to keep their own pass rusher like Brandon Graham in check. So this should surprise nobody. Speaking of the legal tampering period, we have to start with the Jets here. You alluded to it earlier. At the time of this recording, again, we're recording Tuesday night, Le'Veon Bell is still a free agent. Obviously, there are rumors swirling about a big offer, an ultimatum, a couple teams involved. We're going to pass on that for now. We're going to move to the actual news of what's happened over the past couple days. And obviously, we all know that the Jets got stiffed by Anthony Barr Tuesday. More on that in a few as well, but... First, we're going to talk about Dante Fowler, a player who we discussed at length on the podcast, a player the Jets had interest in on a short-term deal. He ended up re-signing with the Rams for one year and $14 million. Last week, you said that Fowler to the Jets was going to be an issue of contract length. As I said, the Jets were only willing to go one or two years. Fowler wanted three or four years. Do you believe that is still the case with Fowler ending up taking that one-year deal? Absolutely. You know, in all honesty, I have no inside knowledge about this, but everything I've heard leads me to believe that Fowler's position was, if I'm going to sign a short-term deal, it's going to be with the team that I played for last year, the Rams, who were in the Super Bowl, rather than a franchise like the Jets, who wins just five or six games a year. Now let's move on to Barr, who spurned an offer that was reportedly close to $15 million per season from the Jets. No word on the length of that potential contract. But he ended up staying in Minnesota for just over $13 million per year and five total years. What have you been hearing about this situation? I'm told as of last night, the word was 
there was a feeling that Barr was having second thoughts about joining the Jets. It wasn't something where he just woke up this morning. And there were reporters calling agents of some of the available free agent pass rushers who were still out there to see if they heard from the Jets as sort of a just-in-case contingent type of plan if Barr actually changed his mind, uh, which he eventually did. But you know, this feeling that Barr was having was out there last night, and a few people had known about it were making phone calls about it. Now, in a tweet last night, speaking of some of those other pass rushers that the Jets may or may not have been contacting, you mentioned that Preston Smith and Zadaria Smith were two guys getting a lot of action on the pass rushing market. Do you know if the Jets were interested in either player? I know for a fact they were definitely interested in Preston Smith, and they had been having talks about signing him. But when they thought they locked up Anthony Barr, those talks quickly ended. Now, several shows ago, you mentioned the Packers and the Colts were two teams you expected to address their pass rushing needs in free agency. We specifically spoke about the Packers and their interest in Preston Smith. Do you know if the Colts made any moves towards him? Chris, the Colts were in it into the bitter end in trying to sign Preston Smith. While the first reports that Preston Smith had signed with the Packers turned out to be true, they were actually premature because as they were running on NFL Network and across the Internet this morning, the Colts and Chris Ballard were still trying to acquire Preston Smith as of late this morning. The bottom line is they were just outbid by a little bit by the Green Bay Packers. Now, the Giants were the other team associated with Preston Smith. Any word on why he didn't sign there? The offer the Giants made for Preston Smith was just well short, significantly short of the bids presented by the Green Bay Packers and Indianapolis Colts. Now, we'll get back to the Jets and pass rushers in general in just a moment. But before that, please support the draft analysts by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you have any questions you want answered on the show, tweet us at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcasts to get in touch with the show. Now, Tony, back to New York. Barr's decision and the Jets' overall inability to bring in a pass rusher this offseason, that's going to have a far-reaching impact on both their draft plans and the draft as a whole, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, less than 24 hours ago, the Jets were sitting pretty. They figured they had their uh, pass rusher and Anthony Barr. Then they signed C.J. Mosley. It all looked like they were going to get their center, Matt Paradise, and they were going to have uh, options in the draft. You know, they could have either taken the top player on our board at draftdonalds.com and Quinn Williams with the third pick or explore potential options to trade down and collect extra selections and then use those selections to fortify the offense. There's no pass rushers left in free agency. There's no centers left in free agency. And they only have limited picks. They only have a first-round pick and no second-round pick. So they're going to have to address the pass rush need likely at the top of the draft. It's really – I don't think it could have turned out worse for the Jets over the past 24 hours. Now, does this mean Josh Allen of Kentucky is going to go to New York with a third pick? Probably. uh, Though if a good trade is offered to them, I could see them sliding down a few slots – getting the extra selections, and then drafting a guy like Rashawn Gary or Cleland Farrell. Uh, I think both would be outstanding additions for the Jets. Certainly a deep enough crop of pass rushers in the first round for the Jets to do that and possibly recoup some of that draft capital from last year's trade-up for Sam Darnold. So if the Jets are less inclined to trade back here and they may go pass rusher instead of the pure best player available approach, that's really going to shake up the top of the draft and what goes on up top, right? Absolutely. I mean, everyone thought that the Jets could take Quinton Williams with the third pick of the draft. 
where does Quinn and Williams fall now? I mean, maybe to the Tampa Bay Bucks with the fifth selection. But then again, they selected Vita Via last year in round one, so they may want to go uh, in a different direction. I mean, Williams could fall deeper into the top 10 than anybody ever predicted. Now, back to Anthony Barr for a second here. He said that he felt, and I quote, physically sick after he saw it was reported he was signing with the Jets. Now, whatever that says about how players feel going to New York for that organization, obviously that feeling inside of Barr led to him reversing course and ending up staying with the Vikings, the only organization he's known since leaving UCLA. What do you think his spurning of the Jets means for the organization as a whole? Uh, I mean, number one, it's horrible optics. And I hate to be redundant, but it's been a terrible 24 hours for the franchise. As I said, they needed to come out of the free agency with a pass rusher and a center. And after Barr changed his, his decision and Matt Paradise signed with Carolina, it looks like they'll have neither despite having all this money under the cap. You know, Rich Semini of ESPN, a friend who I like personally and professionally, said he didn't think Barr deciding to stay with the Vikings was that big a deal because the Jets had overpaid for a guy that wasn't a very good pass rusher to begin with. And I, I respect and understand Rich's position on Barr being overrated and overpaid. That was the pass rusher the Jets chose and the one they needed to come away with in free agency, and it's not going to happen. Let's go back to last year when the Jets went all out for Kirk Cousins, despite the fact few people thought they would actually have a realistic chance to sign the quarterback. And after they lost out, they ended up spending a ton of money or moving that money to Trumaine Johnson, the cornerback who had a disappointing season. Now, several people have uh, passed along the comment to me is that they don't see how Mike McCagnan survives this for very long, which bothers me because, I, one, I don't want to see anybody lose their job. Two, I really respect McCagnan's work ethic, as I said a number of times on these podcasts. And, and i like to see how the team does with the coaching staff that McCagnan picked out because, you know, Todd Bowles was basically forced on him and was the head coach that was in place when the Jets hired McCagnan. Do you think the Jets might be bold enough to fire McCagnan before the draft? I really don't see that happening. I hope it doesn't happen. But, you know, if they don't reel in Le'Veon Bell at this point, who knows? And the question is, you know, what does Le'Veon Bell bring to the locker room with the young quarterback? Le'Veon Bell, it could be a situation with the Jets where they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. They're damned if they do it because you're going to overpay for a running back who – you know, may not work well with the young quarterback, uh, like a lot of people have suggested. And they're damned if they don't because they got snubbed by Barr. And the Barr situation, you can't blame that on, on McCagney and the Jets. That was his decision. It's not totally their fault. But if they don't bring in Le'Veon Bell, I, I mean, it's just more bad optics for the team. Now, speaking of trading down potentially for a pass rusher, a guy we've talked about a couple times on the show in the past, Florida's Ja'Kai Polite. We haven't really talked about him in a positive light recently after poor combine performance and some questionable interviews. Would he be an option for the Jets, you think, if they trade back into the middle part of round one? Yeah, highly unlikely. The feedback on getting on Polite continues to worsen. There's a belief he could fall out of the first round. He needs a huge pro day to turn the tide back in his favor. He's got to have some great testing numbers, and he really has to interview well, you know, the night before uh, the Florida pro day and the people who stay afterward to interview him. Now, last night, you tweeted out that there was word among league insiders that the Houston Texans were going to target Earl Thomas after they lost Tyran Mathau to the Chiefs. What's the story beyond that? The Texans had hoped to re-sign Mathau, but if they couldn't, their contingency plan was to go after a Adrian Amos, who they were very interested in. Now, I knew last night that Amos had a deal in place, but as far as the teams were involved, all I knew is the deal did not involve the Texans. 
Obviously, Amos ended up signing with Green Bay today. The more I talked with people last night, the more they believed Houston was going to move on uh, towards Earl Thomas after uh, Amos was unavailable to them. Now, about a month ago, we spoke about some heavy interest specifically from the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Buffalo Bills in former Steelers tight end Jesse James. On Monday, he signed with the Detroit Lions. What happened with James there? The Jaguars were interested in James, and I'm told the Bills put an attractive offer in front of James, which rivaled the one that he signed with the Lions. But it was James' choice to sign with the Detroit Lions for a variety of reasons over the Buffalo Bills. Now let's rewind a bit to last week's podcast before the whirlwind of the past two days has really taken the league by storm. You had mentioned that the Washington Redskins were interested in trading for Denver Broncos quarterback Case Keenum. The trade took place a little more than 12 hours later, the following day after we recorded the show. Do you think this move would knock Washington out of a potential trade for Josh Rosen if he does become available in Arizona? Absolutely not. I mean, Keenum is just a bridge quarterback and the Redskins need a passer for the future. So if the Cardinals take Kyler Murray at the top of the draft and Rosen hits the trade market, I fully expect the Redskins to be bidders. That's a great segue for us into Wednesday when the long-awaited pro day for Kyler Murray and the Oklahoma Sooners will take place. What should we be on the lookout for in Norman? You know, all too often when these top-rated quarterbacks uh, have these pro days, people count the number of balls that hit the ground during the workout. Sort of like he threw 75 passes and only three hit the ground, which means there were three incomplete passes during the workout, and that's nonsense. Let's start off with a couple of things. You know, throwing at his pro day after not participating in the combine is a distinct advantage for Murray. He'll be doing a scripted workout in a friendly environment and throwing the pass catches that he's likely been throwing to for several weeks and has built a bit of a rapport with. Now, this is in direct contrast to, say, Dwayne Haskins, who threw at the combine, where, you know, most of those guys had never stepped foot on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium, though Haskins did play the Big Ten title game there last December. And more importantly, they never had the opportunity to work with the receivers who they were throwing to at the combine or develop a sense of timing with their passes. And that's a huge disadvantage. Tomorrow, I expect there's obviously going to be a scripted workout for uh, Murray. I would expect it to incorporate a lot of movement with Murray throwing on the move so they can highlight his athleticism and elusiveness. Now, what to look for? First of all, weigh-ins. Does Murray step on the scale? I can't believe he bypasses weigh-ins because uh, the amount of negativity and bad press that comes down on top of him would be uh, impossible. But what weight does he come in at if he gets on the scale? If it's under 200 pounds, people are going to question that 207 pounds he checked in during the combine. During the passing workout, watch his footwork when he simulates dropping into the pocket after taking a snap on the center, which he rarely did at Oklahoma. Is his setup quick? Is his footwork clean? Is he releasing the ball with proper footwork or do his feet float around in the process? Then watch his accuracy, and I don't mean completed passes. Is he hitting receivers in stride? Is he leading receivers with passes? Or do the wideouts have to reach back or get vertical to grab the ball from the air? The former is what you want. The latter is, is an issue. And I'm especially interested to watch his downfield throws. Are the receivers slowing up in routes and waiting for deep passes to arrive? That's one of the big concerns I have with Murray watching him on Phil uh, over and over again. And, and once again, if people, you know, question that or don't believe me, I recommend they go back and watch the Big 12 title game against Texas when Oklahoma receiver Marquis Brown consistently had a three or four step advantage on the defender down the field, yet had to slow up and wait for Murray's passes to arrive. And that's all for the 48th episode of the Draft Analyst presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, 
Please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back as usual next week with more information on everything happening around the league as we move past free agency and into the final six weeks before the draft. So make sure to keep an eye on draftanalyst.com for all the latest. On behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. Enjoy the start of the new league year, everybody.